very good evening to all our listeners. Well, if you're not from Singapore, then a very good morning or very good afternoon wherever you are. Uh, I'm Sash, your host for this episode of Full Kid Banter, and joining me this evening is a uh, Manchester United correspondent, Nathan, and Manchester City correspondent Lionel. I almost got your names mixed up, <laughs> but <laughs> what I managed to save myself. <laughs> yeah. Uh, yeah, it's just us three this uh, very fine evening because uh, the rest of the panel, um, we are wishing Cash a speedy recovery because he's feeling a little bit under the weather at the moment and uh, Pascal and BK are kind of busy this evening. Nope, nope. It's not because that Liverpool lost. That's not Liverpool the reason won, why though. I'm hosting. Liverpool won, yeah, yeah, Liverpool won, but... You know, Pascal's just busy celebrating. He was kind of shaking at the knees when uh, Liverpool were about to play because he... I don't know how true it was when he told me uh, after our futsal session, which we'll be circling back to it very soon, he told me that he was actually worried that uh, Liverpool might kind of slip up. Uh, no pun intended. But yeah, it turns out that leads are really, really bad. But I digress. Actually, before going to Premier League football, right? FKB, we actually had our, was it fifth or sixth session? But it's actually the fourth session that uh, I joined. And it was really fun because I think it was the first time we kind of played the full length of the pitch, right? The regular 6v6 one. Yeah. And we had our very own GoPro moment of the match where you know yours truly I kind of channeled Chelsea because uh, in real life Chelsea can't score any goals and it just so happened that this little short snippet of footage it kind of showed me kind of teeing up to kind of hit the uh, okay it wasn't really an open net uh, but I did kind of hit the crossbar and yeah. uh, if you guys did watch the clip I mean I'm sure you did I did kind of claim like how did that not go in because uh, before I hit the shot, I wanted to hit it with like a, a spin. So let's say it hits like the pole, it could... I mean, in physics, right, it should kind of... Wait, does all this in. go through your head before you take yeah, the shot? Yeah, I wanted to hit it wow. with that spin. Okay. Yeah, and when it kind of did not go in and it deflected out, which was the reason why I said, how did that not go in? Because that was kind of my thinking when I prepared that shot. But Nathan, as mm. the guy who... <laughs> Mm. Who teed up the ball to me, right? Like, I could have gotten an assist right there. <laughs> yeah, man. I, I, I apologize for that. But <laughs> yeah, like I really did enjoy that kind of point of view shot. And as the... I mean, I mean, you are like our media guy, right? So... Mm. Yeah. yeah. I think the whole kind, thing kind was... Kind of your, your thoughts about it? Yeah, the whole thing was really fun. I think uh, if you guys are listening and you haven't... You don't know what clip we're talking about... Go to our Instagram. It's on our full kit banter um, page. We, yes. we uploaded it. it Check man. it out. Yeah, um, you can see the the full phase of play. Um, and you you would see past there as well. He's not rapping uh, Liverpool. He's rapping Juventus for um, for those of y'all who who don't yeah, know man, who that the, is. Like, why is he doing hunter. that? <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, um, I think the whole phase of play is very interesting. I love the the point of view because I think. It really gives people this uh, very immersive kind of feel, and at the same time, I think I found myself playing a little bit of like this, um, like 
drop drop off striker. I, I I like that that view because me laying the ball off to you, it feels like um it's kind of the role that I like to play if in futsal, which is like near the front but just behind an attacker. Or I like the to lay the ball off. Role, right? Yeah, I think that's what it is. The uh the striker that drops deep, uh, lays it off to someone else, and it was exactly like that. Um, and I think that was that was a great uh footage. Um, we may have more clips coming up. I'm still going through it. So um, just hang tight, guys who are listening. We may put out more stuff as well. Um, overall, I think the game was really enjoyable. The bigger pitch and the bigger goal pose um, made the game more interesting. I think it gave more people like the, uh, the motivation to take shots from a little mm-hmm. more distance. Um, and it let us play like kind of different rules than the usual uh, futsal rules, right? So we had no half yeah. court rule. You could mm-hmm. take the shot from distance. Um, you could get in the box as well. Yeah. Um, and then <laughs> that even motivated like some. Uh, I think there were like maybe one or two goals scored from the corners, right? Someone like crossed it in and then someone yeah. kicked it yeah. in as well. So yeah, someone like mm, yeah, like yeah. like Lionel. <laughs> yeah, it yeah. was a quick. It was oh a quick yeah, restart. I remember that goal. That was good. Yeah. 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 That was from. Uh, Dane, shout out, yeah. shout out Dane if you're listening to this. Uh, Dane to Lino. Yeah, yes. it was a, it was kind of like a quick, uh, quick reset. Very uh, yeah. yeah, very Lampard esque late run to the box. No one tracking oh, you. Oh, yeah. I don't know if you got that on on camera, but that would have been so good. I remember that. Yeah, straight right. into the middle of the box. No yeah. one, no one saw the run. And yeah. um, leading up to the match, right when uh the, what's it, the pitch attendant who was kind of helping us to set up. The, the pitch mm. I'm not sure if he installed magnets on the crossbar because right he seemed to be hitting the they were at least like during that period like I don't know seven seven I or know, eight right? shots hit the hit the bar yeah. <laughs> I myself hit it at least twice I think and including, then, uh, including me man yeah yourself <laughs> and, and, and Prashan shout out Prashan he hit it yeah. like four times or something like yeah, that yeah dude just <laughs> but yeah overall just a very enjoyable game and I think the man of the match uh, for that kind of uh, two-hour period, it has to be uh, Nathan, your friend, right? His yeah. Is, he goes Hong. Hong. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, oh, yeah. We call him Hong. I'm not sure if he got it on camera, but he scored like a hat-trick in, what, five minutes? The guy's channeling <laughs> some like, uh, some Harlan regen. Insane, <laughs> with the With the dribbling skills of, I don't know, like Messi. <laughs> but mm. the scoring boots of, of Harlan is he he's uh but he plays quite regularly um yeah like we can see that yeah that's <laughs> clear <laughs> yeah i think it's great i think we have a nice mix of uh of different caliber players but mm. we're all there to to have a good fun, fun yeah, time, was, yeah we're just there to have a good time and yeah yeah and and no injuries like was this the first session where I none mean, of us left injured yeah, to be fair, a lot of the injuries are self-inflicted. <laughs> but, yeah. <laughs> but yeah, this was the first time I think we didn't see anyone hobble off. Uh, mm. Beeks was the closest one to it. I think he felt something in his ankle. Yep. But uh, yeah, I think first time, no no serious injury. So yeah, mm. that was great. Yeah. So, Lionel, any last thoughts about the futsal session before we go deep into what happened in the Premier League last weekend? Yeah, I think I mean most of it is were covered by you guys. I I enjoyed how how we had uh, a larger goalpost to shoot at because I think um it gave me a bit more incentive to take shots as well, and I I did quite, score quite a few. And overall, I think like like Nate said, um, it's a good mix of uh, different level players. So like at least it keeps the game fun. 
And yeah, I think uh, I hope that uh, we are able to do more sessions in the future and also uh, maybe get more footage on the GoPro so that, you know, uh, we can let our viewers uh, take a look at exactly, like, you know, how is it like to to play futsal for those who don't really play futsal and um, just a bit of fun here and there, like the shot that you miss or hit the crossbar and stuff. Yeah, I think, yeah, I, I really enjoy the sessions and uh, I, I hope, you know, for for future bookings, we can get uh, places with larger goalposts. <clears throat> oh, <Yeah>. yes. Just, <laughs> for, just for the listeners' uh, knowledge, right, we played at Sky Park Arena, which is located at, um, King Park. at the top of uh, Sim Derby building. You can just exit left of King Albert Park. So uh, shout out Sky Park Arena. <laughs> yeah, not a sponsored post, but you guys not, have yeah, a good. A you post. guys have a great. If you don't want to sponsor us, <laughs> I mean, yeah, feel free. I mean, dude, we have like three sixty camera. We yeah. have GoPro. It's it's really like uh, we're doing more than just giving them some plugs. Yeah, yeah man, like it's <laughs> publicity though, free yeah. publicity. <laughs> All right, so um, back to the Premier League. To, uh, Premier League action. I think we're gonna start off with. The game that kind of kicked off game week was it thirty one, uh, West United versus Arsenal. So, it's, it literally was a game of two halves. Uh, Arsenal came came out the uh, and took the lead, and then when they got the second within what ten minutes, I think the goals were what three minutes apart from each other. I kind of thought, oh man, West Ham are in for it because. I remember walking out of, uh, you know, I mean, back a little bit back to our football session. I remember after we had lunch and then we were walking out, I did say that, well, I think Arsenal, they're going like, to destroy West Ham. And when they were 2-0 up 10 minutes into the game, I thought, yeah, it's going to be 4-5-0. Mm. And then it didn't turn out that way because in the second half, not really sure what happened, not really sure what was said in the two different dressing rooms, but... Arsenal kind of bottled it. They did a massive Spurs and uh yeah. So West Ham they got back into the game via a Ben Rama penalty, and then it was Saka's turn. I mean Arsenal got a penalty, and Saka's was the penalty taker, and, and he, he just missed it. Yeah, yeah. I and think we, I yeah. I mean, there were on on the Benrama um penalty. That was a little bit iffy because I I'm mm. sure you guys know like it. There was a a pretty loud cry for handball. Mm. Um, if you have seen the the photos the, the going around, right? yeah. Mm. Even when I was watching it, I was so sure that they would just like give a handball instead because it clearly hits his arm. So mm-hmm. that's that's something that again VAR. Are, are, are in the gulags for me this week that was like yep. it's a bad call I mean yeah you could say like Partey shouldn't be like being so nonchalant and trying to chip the ball and stuff but like mm. he does it he chips the ball and it hits Rice square in his like on his whole arm it's like not yep. even like a glance off his hand so I thought that was a bit like careless refereeing because VAR didn't catch it the ref didn't catch it and then in the end um, it could cost Arsenal the, the title just this one penalty like if you think about the margins are are super tight right now Mm. and and yeah i mean yeah you could say like saka should have scored and then this wouldn't be an issue but he didn't and now it is quite a big issue and yeah 
yeah i think that's just something that uh vr has to be accountable for but we've seen it happen so many times this season so it's this this kind of something with west ham and and vr obvious handball is not oh yeah (laughs) (laughs) not the first time damn sus uh, and then yeah, um, are, are they the the Barca? Are they paying the refs? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, but just just to cut in here, right? I think if if you guys um, uh, go back to last week's episode, right? Um, I actually mentioned that I feel that West Ham could cause an upset and pick up a draw. Yeah, yeah, you did. Yeah, so you were it, kind of banging that drum after futsal. <laughs> well. Yeah, so uh, see, to be honest, when I think Arsenal went two 0 up at around the thirteenth minute, if I'm not wrong. And then, um, correct me if I'm wrong, but um, after I saw that scoreline, I was I was about to tune into the game. Then when I saw that scoreline, I was like, ah, uh, yeah, I think Arsenal are just gonna gonna run them, gonna rinse them through the entire ninety minutes. But then when I saw um, um, Ben Rama get that goal back, I was like, okay, I think something could be brewing over here. And then yeah, I quickly game on, man. And then I I switch I switch on the telly, and then true enough, I think they got a, the second goal. And it was kind of like the... Because I also did catch the arsenal Liverpool game as well. It's exactly like what you said. It's a tale of two halves. Arsenal dominating in the first. And then, you know, just bottling in the second. So, I it's mean... It's interesting because, like, they played so much better in the first half. I think yeah, but Rassam could barely touch them. The ball was moving, like, like super fluidly. Um, They were, like, the Arsenal of old. The, the tiki-taka was, like, on another level. The only thing that they had for them was Antonio, and Antonio's such a beast. Like he, yeah, he, he did he did superb, man. He did superbly. He he's one man like carrying the ball up the field, and then he would just he would beat three people, and then he would just drag the, the whole team up up the pitch. It's crazy. I think he's he's literally the own, the kind of striker that West Ham needs, and they have him, and then like they just use him f- fully like utilized to his that uh, one ability. It's like the game plan is. Give it to Antonio, and then let him like carry us up the pitch, and then hopefully we get a set piece. And they did it, and it was successful. It's it's a, yeah, such a unique game. game it was strategy. a very um Drogba esque performance. Kind like, of. You defend deep. You just lob it up to your big, strong front tall, pacey striker. Yeah. And then you just bring your entire teammates back into the game. But is it fair to say that Arsenal are? the glass cannon team of the Premier League right now because it's like a carbon copy I mean going back to what Lionel said it's exactly what happened in the Liverpool match where Arsenal score extremely quickly they come out of the blocks they get two quick fire goals Mm -hmm. and then they just don't know how to control the game and then they let the opposition team back in and the way I look at it it's four points drop from winning positions back to back and I'm sure somewhere deep in the back of the Arsenal players' minds there, if there was no seed of doubt before, there should be seeds of doubt now. And mm. I'm not saying that because I'm like a rival fan. It's just that psychologically, yeah, being dealt these two draws after being in such commanding position, it has to do something to like your your mindset. Oh, sorry, your mindset. And you know Arteta who has been like in the running for manager of the year right he has I'm, I'm not sure what he has to do but 
he has to straighten it out, straighten this mentality out now because this is the mentality of what we expect from the white half of North London, not the red half. You know what's interesting? Like, mm. I've always wondered, you know, like, there are some managers uh, who like to, who employ this tactic. They have a, like, a, a, a set player who comes into the game to just close the game off. You know what I mean? It's like, yeah. it's it's like Chelsea and C gags, you know? Mm. Uh, it's like... <laughs> um, <laughs> <laughs> it's, it's like... I, I'm, I'm not sure you think Chelsea and closing <laughs> out games while winning... I mean, the, uh, the <laughs> attempt, the attempt is to do that. Uh, yeah. Uh, <laughs> like, Ten Hag does it with, uh, with McTominay or Fred, mm. you know? Mm-hmm. It's like, okay, it's, it's maybe we're leading by a goal. It's the 70 yeah. to 80th minute take off the striker, bring on a, uh, a defensive midfielder to just mm. try to strengthen in the midfield. I, I don't yep. see Arsenal doing that. They don't have anybody that can come in and bolster the midfield a little uh, bit more. Like who? Jorginho? Like El Nenny? Jorginho's he, yeah, not Jorginho. a closer, is he? He's, I mean, he, he can slow down the pace of the game and he's quite good when being pressed, but... Um, but he has that I mistake in him as well. He's yeah. easily you can you can nick the ball off Jorginho, I think. Mm, yeah, I said being a, a Chelsea fan and watching Jorginho, yeah, I understand what you mean by he has certain moments where he has lapses of concentration and when he gets dispossessed because he's not that athletically athletically quick, so he can't really cover like spaces and he can't really retrieve the ball back quickly. Mm. Mm, but uh, I think Arteta Like what he's been doing Recently is uh, Especially when I think the West Ham game uh, I mean Lionel you caught that The second half When They were in the second half And they needed to Close off the game I think he brought on More attackers He brought on Trossard yeah. Right Like he was trying to get yeah. More goals to, to Instead of doing the Mourinho like Let's just sit back And, and protect the last bit Of the lead and, and waste time Like that's not the Arteta way And I think As much as Um that's great. Like he's he's sticking to his um sort of philosophy. He doesn't want to play park the bus mentality. I think there is there is some kind of like um credit that you can give to managers who know how to close off a game as well mm-hmm. and secure the bag. Like, that's what it is. At the end of the day, like you need to get the three points. You have to do whatever it takes, right? It's yeah. It's very similar to oh sorry, Kanye. It's very similar to Brandon Rogers. In the second season at Liverpool, like they could attack, but when it comes to game management, trying to close out a game, he seems to struggle with it. Like I remember him bringing on Jorginho, like it's an extra pair of legs in midfield, right? Mm-hmm. But at the same time, he brought off Partey for Trossard, so it's like you are not really strengthening your midfield; you're kind of weakening it a little bit. I'm not sure why Partey was being brought off. I kind of thought that. Okay, you bring on Jorginho and you leave Partey on so that it's like a little bit more defensive because at the point of time, I think Saka just missed the penalty so Arsenal was still 2-1 up. So maybe the right move was to bring on Jorginho and leave Partey. I mean, in hindsight, it like what happened, what unfolded was that Bowen scored the equaliser and then Arsenal, they could not get the third goal. Mm-hmm. But... Yeah, just um, the the substitutions were a bit weird to me. Yeah, 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 yeah. Like I mean, to add on right, like I feel like for Ateta's case, I think earlier Nate you mentioned, um, I mean as much as 
he's adamant about his philosophy of playing a very nice, attractive, uh, beautiful type of free-flowing football, right? But at the end of the day, right, we, we have to remember that football, at after 38 games, right, it, it, it's, a, it's a game of like ones and zeros, right? At the end of the day, the team that gets the most points will come out as the victor, so wow, he, that's he, some Michael Owen analysis, man. Yeah, yeah, no, so no, 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 so 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 like for for Ateta's case, right? Yeah, I agree. The substitutions are very weird, and like, I think you, I think Nate made a very good point. They don't have that one player to say kill off a game, like to kill off the tempo of the game. Like I think, for example, Liverpool. Okay, back then they have uh, Thiago, right, who can come in and kill off the entire game by slowing down the tempo. And I think that is something Arsenal really need right now. But like the substitutions Ateta makes is also very predictable. It's always Jesus off for say Trossard. And then maybe um Odegaard off for like a Reese Nelson or say um you know it could be a Fabio Vieira. And none of these players like offer a, a defensive boost to the team where where mm-hmm. it can help them kill the game. And I think like for Ateta's case, right, I, he should have already realized that. You know, Arsenal's defense at the back is very leaky. And like and, and like if let's say you know you don't have that players to strength like to boost the defense in that midfield position, right? Then maybe you they could experiment and switch it up by by doing a five at the back. I mean it may not be pretty, right? But at least get the three points, man. It's like now they have already dug themselves into this position, inviting unnecessary pressure, especially for there are young players who don't really maybe they don't have the enough game time or experience to cope with such pressure and I, I, I'm gonna tell you man I think in the, the next game against City right I think the the anxiety will be very very uh, they'll be wearing their hearts on their sleeve right? it's gonna be a very very uh, nervy game for them whereas like they're going whereas like City are the, at the at the head their home ground with the fans backing them I think Arsenal, it's going to be a very difficult game for Arsenal now, psychologically, given the fact that for the past two games, they have come so close to securing all three points, but to just walk away with one point. So, I mean, it's in it's in my favour as a City fan, but as an Arsenal fan, I think, you know, the alarm bells are ringing. Uh. Hmm, very dangerous statement to make on this podcast <laughs> because of a famed FKB curse, but... Yeah, it's <laughs> true. I mean, his his, I mean, fair play, man. You're sticking your neck out there, <laughs> knowing what may happen. <laughs> but yeah, I think so, like the best way mm. to describe it is, I feel like that 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 match between City and Arsenal is gonna have a very predator prey kind of mentality. Yeah. Like City are closing the gap. They are. It's literally like a predator creeping up on the prey, and Arsenal are just mm-hmm. they're gonna be looking over their shoulders uh, when during the match. They'll be thinking they if we lose this they've caught up if we lose this you know what i mean that is that kind of thing that will be eating at you they'll be thinking we can't lose we can't afford to lose you can't make mistakes and it's that kind of like thought process that i think affects you in the game and you make mistakes because of that where city mm-hmm. have every right to just be like calm and just be like you know what it's okay even if you don't even if you don't get them this game the pressure is still going to be enormous on on them yeah. for the next few games yeah well all i can say is that Arsenal do have an opportunity to extend the lead, albeit being, what, uh, two games in hand over Man City. And uh, this game that 
because I think Arsenal they'll be playing this weekend whereas City will not was it due to the the FA Cup uh, yeah, I think yeah, it's the FA, FA Cup, Cup right? yeah. Yeah, so um, Arsenal do take on relegation bound. Okay, I wouldn't say relegation bound, but Southampton. They're in the mire. They're playing Southampton. Mm-hmm. You know, usually on paper, it's uh, an easy three points, right? But Arsenal, historically, they don't really have a good record against Southampton. Some might say that Southampton are Arsenal's bogey team. And um, with the recent events that transpired in terms of uh, not being able to close out games, not being able to get the required wins, right? Could you guys see this as a possible banana peel? I mean, Lionel, I'm sure that you kind of want it to be. But the way I look at it, right, it's not a straightforward win, even though Arsenal are playing at home because... Southampton like when it comes to the business end of the season we all know how like the the players from all these relegation threatened teams they would suddenly just switch it up teams like Bournemouth you know they they're kind of on a really good uh, streak of form was it four wins from six games mm-hmm. and yeah even Wolves as well they just yeah. beat Brentford 2-0 so yeah exactly like I don't know man like it, I wouldn't be surprised if <laughs> Arsenal drop points again to a team that they should be beating very easily. I mean, BK is not really here. I mean, BK is not here to kind of share his thoughts, but he was, um, I wouldn't say he was very happy <laughs> at the end of uh, the West Ham game because he he was kind of like, yeah, give give the title to City because... You know, Arsenal, the way they're playing right now, it, it looks like they're going to bottle whatever advantage they had in terms of points over City. And uh, yeah, I don't know. It's 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 weird, man. It's like, um, it'll, it'll be a shame if Arsenal don't really make it, you know, don't really kind of cross over the line to win the title because they have been the team of the season so far. Their football has been excellent, but it kind of seems that experience, it it really is a huge factor in terms of determining whether you kind of last a 38-game season and emerge as champions, because this Arsenal team is really young. Obviously, they have not, most of them have not won, like, a league, I mean, not even a cup, you know, most of them. I mean, FA Cup aside, but it kind of seems that they're striking a little bit in terms of the mental side of the game. In terms of, yeah, we don't need to play beautiful football. I mean, Nathan, like, going back to, like, the Sir Alex Ferguson years, right? Like, I do remember, like, the first two-thirds of the season, you guys could be playing really attacking, free-flowing football. And when it comes to, like, the latter one-third of the season, you guys would be getting one new, two new wins. Just get your two goals and then shut up shop it was similar yeah. to Morino's Chelsea where I think I think half the times yeah. they, they would literally just uh, when the ball comes to you and you're a defender mm-hmm. right you just boot it out yeah. they're not even trying to do a counter attack you just boot the ball out yeah. and then no like nonsense defending right and then mm-hmm. when the attackers are trying to get across in you don't have to try to steal the ball and then counter you just slide yeah. the ball and get it out yeah just just make the tempo the really flag, right? bad mm-hmm. 
yeah. um, so that they don't even get uh, like foul people just like mm. just stop the play you know so the that dark arts right exactly yeah. and, and you would know because that's how you close out a, a game you know what I mean yeah like, that's how you win championships man yeah. playing ugly but effective football but it seems like this Arsenal team they know how to play football but when it comes to results oriented football they don't know which is the reason why they are like conceding so many goals that they shouldn't be conceding yeah yeah so I know just before we wrap up like this particular uh, topic um, do you think Arsenal get back to the winning ways against Southampton? I think oh, oh. Yeah like I think sorry to cut it off but I honestly think that on paper it has to be a W for them la. like they, they cannot not win you know like you know you, you slip up against Liverpool at Anfield okay it's fine you slip up against West Ham, I think, who are battling for relegation. I think that's that's kind of like going down the slippery slope already. And if you like lose to Southampton or or even draw against them, right? I think the the psychology of the players and the fan base, right, will be like just in in total chaos. Uh. Like they will be so panicky and so worried. And then every game from now until the end of the season is like a ticking time bomb for them. So like and like I think recently um, Southampton lost to Crystal Palace 2-0 as well so like I, I, I feel like you know if they don't win now if they don't seize this opportunity to extend their lead to 7 points right which can actually help them um, when they visit the Etihad right I think it, it, it seems like the possibility of City actually snatching the title away is becoming more and more like a possibility which I honestly wouldn't have said this couple of weeks ago so it's all in Arsenal's hands man but this has to be like nothing less than three points for them yeah I agree with him I think the every game now for Arsenal is gonna feel like a final I think they can't afford to lose they can't afford to draw they have to play to win every game because the that city machine is coming for them I, that's the only yeah. thing I don't I don't see City dropping points and if City doesn't drop points Arsenal can't afford to drop points that's just the state that, that we're in now for and the run-in is not very favourable to Arsenal as yeah. compared to City so they've got to look at every match and be like this is like this game is a must win every game is a must win it, they're all finals from now to the end and I mm-hmm. think that's 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 gonna be massive you know yeah that's gonna yeah. decide the title yeah, I mean, since we are already on the topic, uh, Lionel, do you want to get us into why City will win the league for what the third time in I, a row? I, I mean, <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, um, like I've said, like a couple of episodes ago, and I'll say it again now, right? I I still feel Arsenal are the favorites. Like they don't they don't have an they don't have an excuse to not win the title. You know, like they they are out of all other uh competitions. The Premier League is it's the only one competition that they are in. Uh, they have so much time to rest, to recover, um, like, you know, players-wise. As compared to City who are um, in the FA Cup and they are so spirited into trying to finally win the UEFA Champions League. So, and honestly, I would say that as a City fan, my heart, it, my heart uh, is in the Champions League. Lah. So, I think that it's more of a priority to City fans uh, in, in general I would say 9 in 10 of City fans would say that but 
<laughs> I mean, it's still not. I mean, it's still not an excuse not to 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 contend for the Premier League, right? And I I I will still feel that Arsenal they are definitely the favorites despite mm. the negativity in the the Arsenal ground, but with a loss or a draw at Southampton, right? I think the possibility of us winning becomes higher and higher. I think after um the 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 West Ham game yesterday. I saw that apparently like um, Buki's favourites is for uh, uh, City to win the title and it's like what 63 or 65% and then I mean oh. honestly that, that, that odds shocked me lah because like statistically sure I think City have won the past couple of uh, has dominated the league in the, the past couple of years right but you have to look at it from an objective standpoint and I, I feel like Arsenal you know they have no excuse to not win it so um, I still feel they are the favourites but mm. you know if like I mean like what Nate say right if they are going to treat every game uh, like a final right do the players have the mental capacity to treat the next 7-8 games as a final so that's the question uh. can they perform mm. under uh, perform consistently over and over again treating every game as a final so so that is something that you know only time will tell but I hope that they can't uh. so we'll see how it goes yeah. When you are the bookies' favorites for the Premier League title, you're hunting down Arsenal, but the only thing you can think about is the Champions League, man. That's yeah. Must be good to be a City fan. That's some elite yeah. mentality. <laughs> <laughs> you know, there there was a time when uh, Chelsea fans could have that kind of mindset, but I digress. So Damn. easy work uh, against Leicester, man. The robot doing it again. 32 goals in, uh, was it, 31 games? Yeah, 31. Yeah, just one more goal to surpass uh, Mo Salah's record as the yeah. uh, most number of Premier League goals scored in a Premier League season. The guy's just insane, man. In his first season. <laughs> yeah, I, I take back what I said about Haaland only scoring 17 goals. Absolutely in the he, mud. He's going to double it. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, he actually doubled. He's actually about to double it. Damn. <laughs> oh, yeah. Yeah. So, there's um, not much else to say like they just make it look too easy isn't it I know right and he <sighs> got brought off in the second half to be rested yeah that's just oh my gosh the only one stopping the robot is Pep <laughs> yeah man dude imagine if he played 90 minutes every Premier League game and he could have been on what 40 goals already yeah, but he could also yeah. be injured. I think that's the uh, thing, yeah. right? Haaland is, mm. is like... I won't call him glass ankles, but he, he gets injured like every season, I think. Yeah, Even in, it's in because the of the way he, he's built and the way he sprints, man. It, it shouldn't... It doesn't look good on the knees. I mean, I don't know. Like, <laughs> Imagine Actually, putting that like, much weight and muscle on your knees as you sprint. Are his yeah, injuries but, but, usually but, knee injuries? Yeah. I'm not sure. But yeah, I think he's had a few. Okay. Yeah, but but did, didn't you guys see like uh, a, a photo he uploaded on social media where the, he was like milk drinking right. milk <laughs> and then he was like Ma- this is my magic potion magic magic juice <laughs> oh magic potion yeah, yeah. he yeah, should so, uh, um, he should get sponsored by like Meiji <laughs> or whatever they drink in in, in the UK <laughs> yeah some vegan milk but anyway um, yeah Lionel can you share us uh, share your thoughts on uh, what happened in the last match yeah I, I think um to be frank, I think walking into this game was very comfortable because, you know, Leicester, I, I still think they have no manager, right? 
if I'm not wrong. Mm, yeah. No yeah. So 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 they they are currently ro- uh rolling with a caretaker. Um, they are battling for relegation. They are struggling to score goals. They have like been on a end of uh, they receiving end of multiple defeats. I think they recently lost to is it Bournemouth one nil. Yep. Yeah, <laughs> and, and to lose to like Bournemouth one nil. Who I think in hindsight right now they are doing pretty well, having just beat uh, Tottenham. Um. I think it says a lot about the team. It, it, it seems like um, the Leicester team look like done. They look like mentally checked out from the Premier League. You know, I, it's quite odd that, you know, a team like Leicester won the Premier League in like, what, the 2015 season, if I'm not wrong. And then now they could be actually relegated and then going back down to the Championship. I think that's something absurd to say. But based on their form, I think... I was kind of expecting City to dominate and like maybe score four past them given how poor they are. But you know, um you know on paper the teams look really good, like uh for the city side. But you know, you know in the second half, right, when Pep made all his substitutions, in the last 15 minutes of the game, right, <laughs> there were many chances that um where I was fed by Madison to Ianacho and and the others uh Leicester players, right? Where, you know, if the Leicester players were a little bit more clinical, you know, it could have been easily 3-2. And who knows, you know, that momentum could throw them to, to get a draw. So, I think I was so thankful for um, Leicester not being clinical at the end. Because I think they have, uh, like, a couple of shots on goal. Like, one-on-one situations where City kind of, like, switched off at the back. But thankfully, you know, there was no heroic comeback from the Leicester side. And it seems like Ian Acho always seems to score against uh, uh, Man City, you know, his, his former club. So I, I don't know what's with that, but he, he always just seems to score against Man City. But I think it was a great performance. Uh, Haaland got, got two goals. Um, I, I think, yeah, I think this guy is like consistently breaking records uh, game by game. And I'm honestly hoping that you know, it will be an amazing achievement, if not just by beating Salah's uh, record of 32 games in a 38, 32 goals in a 38 game season, but I hope he can like, get some insane like, a record like 38 goals in 38 games. I think that will be a, a really sweet number. But I think, but I think not, let, let, let's just uh, shift the limelight away from Haaland, right? I think, um, Pep has been very, um, adventurous in in his tactics right and one thing that deserves so much praise from his side right is by playing John Stones in midfield like um, I think the first time he played John Stones in midfield was I I think it was against uh, I can't remember who it was it before Bayern Munich yeah I think it was a, a game or two before Bayern because we're kind yeah. of wondering why was Bernardo on the bench and John Stones playing in his position. Yeah, so I think it was quite it was quite weird that Pep started John Stones in the in the midfield role, but you know it, it worked out surprisingly well. And like in the three new uh trashing of Bayern, right? I think Stones was waterman of the match, and it, that speaks volume of how well Stones thrives in a role that should actually be played by say like Kelvin Phillips, who is currently like warming our bench. Um, but it's surprising that this thing works and um, just to segue right I, I, I saw a video that a, a friend of mine sent to me today 
about um, uh, Brighton's manager Deserby, right? And the tactics that he plays. So he plays something called the um, artificial transition. So um, apparently, right, based on uh, the U- a YouTube channel called TFO, right? TFO's analysis of Deserby's play, right? It seems like Pep is also trying to uh, pick up a bit of uh, like tactics from Deserby's playbook and kind of put it into City's game plan. And that's why John Stones is kind of playing in that role to kind of get this particular tactic up and running. So I, I also didn't know that this was something that Deserby was using in Brighton. That's why Brighton... Is that why uh, Gross is like on the lineup, right? Is yeah. that why Gross is being featured as right back when he's not actually playing right back? Yes, yeah. So so I think um I think Pep really did quite a bit of his uh analysis on, on why you know Brighton is doing so well and I think he kind of like oh put it in his playbook and, and then you know be a bit adventurous and yeah, it seems it's, it's it's like it's working. Like the, yeah. yeah, it's a little bit like uh, I mean sorry to cut in when, it was when um Pep was in Bayern and then Philip Lam, who is a right back, suddenly found himself in midfield. And it's somewhat similar to like what what I want to call him uh, Lam's regen, uh, Joshua Kimmich of Bayern as well. Also started off as a, a right back, but I then found himself in midfield. So I think it's the uh, Pep kind of has this in his locker where he finds that you are technically sound and you can do a job defensively on the right hand side. He slowly kind of shift you to that right DM position mm-hmm. hasn't he always been doing this with Cancelo though like mm. Cancelo no, was Cance- practically an attacking midfielder for yeah. most of last yeah. season mm-hmm. yeah no I think, I think Cancelo last season was more of like uh, a fullback running the flanks and then like early yeah, di- but that, early yeah, this, but this season, season he kind of shifted to like that playmaking DM position but obviously he fell out with Pep so he got booted to Bayern. And then I think Pep needed someone to fulfill that position. So he got stones to do that. Mm, it, uh, yeah, it kind of seems that way. And surprisingly, it seems like it, it brings out the the best of like other players around him as well to go forward. Mm. So I think, mm-hmm. you know, Pep, whatever you're doing, just keep doing it. I have faith in you. Just bring the UCL home, man. <laughs> <laughs> they can actually do it, man. With the... Hey, let's not, not jinx that, enjoy. man. Let's not jinx that. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So, um, guys, uh, Leicester City, man. What What do you guys think? Premier League champions, was it seven years ago, and they could actually get relegated now. It's football's a weird thing, and I don't know, man. I do you see like one other team that is worse than them? I mean, okay, not one other team. Uh, sorry, three other teams that are worse than them. One of them being Southampton. Right? I mean, not Bournemouth. Southampton. I think, Southampton. I think yeah. Everton. Everton, Everton. Are, are just as bad <laughs> to me. I think so. <laughs> I mean, they have Daesh, but I think the Daesh train has kind of left like the, you know, like there was a new manager bounce, but I think, mm-hmm. correct me, have they lost two games in a row or something like that? I think, yeah. I, I think it's, uh, they're starting to... They're, they're, yeah. I mean, their true colours are back. I mean, they mm. just aren't that strong of a team. Uh, mm. They don't have a kind of chemistry. I think they were just playing with pure passion in that um, mm. that match against Arsenal. 
uh, that that was the match that suddenly everyone yeah. thought like okay they're back you know they can they can push on and and and, and kind of clear themselves away from relegation but I don't think that's happening and I think they are quite similar to Leicester I think both teams are their, their teams don't look very motivated individual players kind of look like their season have checked out so mm-hmm. I think they're just looking like they know that they're good enough that when the team goes down they'll be sold so I think that's kind of I don't really want to say it that way I mean it makes it sound really bad but that's yeah. just the kind of vibe that I'm getting from both clubs I think looking at the table right um, Leeds yeah. Everton Forest Leicester And Southampton I think they are the Prime Kind of Relegation Threatened teams And If There was any team that Could possibly Replace Leicester in that Relegation spot It To me it's Leeds And We will Come into that Like really soon but uh, I want to kind of talk about, as in, I'm guessing we're done with uh, Man City and Leicester, right? I mean, City, good. Leicester, really bad. But I uh, just want to talk about uh, Forest versus Manchester United. Anthony's best game for United, you think? He, yeah, I think so. I think he's... um. This was the one game that he kind of did more than just cut in and shoot on his left foot. <laughs> this, <laughs> <laughs> like, he actually got an assist that was quite smart. And I think that that reverse pass to Dalo was um, was quite intelligent. And he used Vekhoff's, like, diagonal run as, like, a like a decoy. Like, you know, the defenders got dragged to him. So then he just slipped it into through, through the defense line so I think quite smart and the rest of the game he was quite active I don't think he was the man of the match but uh, like that's still Bruno I think to me Bruno had an, a, a really really good game um, a bit under the radar because I mean he didn't get get an assist or a goal but like the whole game he was kind of the one that was controlling it and and, and so yeah I think yeah but Anthony had a really good game I think the whole team on the whole had a pretty good game. I think Forest didn't offer much. Um, they did have like the one-off chances with like Awonye, who is I think he's quite interesting. I I don't watch Forest much, so uh, this match was quite interesting because I think he is not always their main striker, but when he plays, he has he's kind of doing that that thing that Lukaku kind of did. Like he's quite big, he's quite dominant, and uh, he gives troubles to the to the defenders, but um. He's just not clinical, so that's why I think Forrest couldn't get back into the game. But besides it was that, a good, hmm? yeah, it was a good three points because Forrest at home, not an easy opponent as uh, some of the uh, traditional big six boys have found, found out, out yeah. <laughs> uh, Liverpool and Chelsea. Mm-hmm. But uh, yeah, it seemed that you guys controlled the game a lot. Could have scored more than uh, the two goals, and Dalo's first goal for Man United. And, must be a. It's not his first goal for United, United, but it's the first Prem goal. Oh, sorry, Premier League goal, right? Yeah, yeah. First, Prem, uh, first Premier League goal for United. Mm, he scored and, in um, different clubs that before. Unorthodox left back role, you know, over Malaysia, who, I mean, to be honest, has not really been that good defensively. I mean, offensively, he does a job, but a little bit defensively suspect, but, you know, he's quite a young guy, but. Yeah, Dalo doing Dalo things, man. I mean, he really has improved 
in the attacking sense. I know it was kind of harsh on him. Like, was it a season ago? I I kind of called him like, uh, he he attacks like one Bisaka, yeah. but he he just he's just flashy, but there's no end product. But this season, credit to Ten Hag, man, it seems like he has kind of honed his uh attacking, uh, what's it? What do you call it? Attacking prowess a lot more. Mm. Yeah, um, he see, yeah his his balls into the box have been great as well, and kind of rewarded with uh, a goal. But yeah. um, actually, for mm. for United, like the thing that's letting them down a lot more now is that they they have been trying to put more balls into the box, but Vekos, for whatever reason, is not that guy. Like he doesn't score that kind of like goals. I think if we <laughs> if you go back like one or two seasons, and if in the box you had a Ronaldo or a Cavani, I think we would have a lot more goals from from crosses. Like our goal difference is is horrendous if you look at at the table um we we're in single digits is it or like somewhere around there or maybe like 10 now i think we were at nine it's it's really bad for a team that is in third in third spot it's crazy so i i think that has to do with the fact that um we barely win (laughs) like when we win it's just like by the skin of our teeth in terms of goals and uh and so that's been something that we need to to become more dominant at. But it's also because yep. when we lose, we lose really badly. So <laughs> we let in a ton of goals as well, like the like the Liverpool match, for example. So it's um it's been something that I think that the, that Ten Hag has really worked on very well with the team. Uh, there's not much else to say. I think everybody has just improved a lot this season, except Maguire, who had another really bad game. I don't know if y'all caught the game, but like, he was giving me heart attacks. Uh, he's really shaky. Um, and at this point in time, I would have just been like, bring on uh, my guy, you know, uh, the guy who's been left out. Oh no, I, why have I f- oh, forgot his name? Um, uh, Lindelof? Lindelof? No, no, Lindelof played. What's his name? Oh my gosh. <laughs> you mean a centre-back? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Jones. Ah, Jones, Jones, right? Ah, yeah, 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 yeah. Jones. I was about to say stones. <laughs> then I was just like, wait, no, stones is actually. It rhymes with stones. Um, yeah, Jones. It's uh, Maguire had a really. I mean, he got better in the second half, but the first half, I think he almost scored another like own goal almost. So it's uh, it's. I think now I think we you mentioned earlier, Lionel, that uh, that Arsenal. It's not about injuries, right? They. This is a mentality thing. But for United, being in all the competitions that they can still be in, um, our injury list is really long. Um, Rashford's out. Um, Martial's back, but like Sabitzer got injured just before the match started. He was supposed to play. Um, and then Martinez and Varane, both our our first-choice centre-backs are out it, due to injury. Um, Shaw's out. So... A lot of the the players, uh, Garnacho's so out. a very patched up side that I think would start uh, in the FA Cup against City, right? It reminds me of the time where uh, I think United were in the Champions League and we played PSG with kids. If you look at our bench, it's just academy players now. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> it's it's mostly just academy players and then Fred. <laughs> so yeah, you guys, you guys won. Yeah, PSG. So. Yeah, so like, <laughs> thankfully our academy has good players. Um, so yeah, that's that's one thing good. But but it is kind of worrying um, that we've 
and I knew this would catch up. And I was t- I was telling this to my dad who was watching that game with me. I was just like, this is bound to catch up because we play like the week a weekday match, then we play the weekend, then we play another weekday match, then we play the weekend for for United. It's yeah, and we still have like Seville, and like even though we kind of bottled that as well, like a two goal lead, and then we scored two own goals in the second half. The team is really fatigued, and they're like injured left, right, and center. So it's it really goes to show that it it may seem really nice to be in all competitions, and I think United fans wouldn't trade that for anything, but at seeing how it affects the team right now I would have kind of like given up one I think just to to so that we end the season stronger right now we are so yeah which one would you give up I'm I'm guessing the FA you Cup. guys would lose the rather lose the FA Cup than like ra- rather play a weaker team in the FA Cup and then Ye- go stronger against Sevilla right I would rather that I mean if we weren't in the FA Cup we had one less tournament for example um, I w- I want the Europa because I think that's um, still a, U- a European trophy and we're already in the semi-finals so that's something that, that I think we can just push on and try to get uh, mm. uh, especially after we had such a good run you know beating Barcelona you know yeah. that kind of and then, and then Betis but like um, that kind of like motivation like okay we beat Barcelona now we can go on and win the, the cup I think that, that w- that's a nice story but looking at just the the team that probably will be traveling to Sevilla is like it's such a weakened team in my opinion. Like we're we're really playing like the I won't say second choice, but yeah, I mean it kinda is like when you have Lindelof and Maguire, I was telling my, my dad again, I was watching, I was just like, Oh my gosh, this is wasn't it's this like Sosha's <laughs> back line? <laughs> it's it's literally yeah. Sosha's team it's now. Like two thousand twenty three and you're still looking at Lindelof and Maguire. <laughs> yeah, I know. And suddenly all the fears come back. <laughs> yeah, man. So it's like yes, we have a new manager in the dugout, but that that mm-hmm. team is the same team that was I mean, yeah, it's it's nervy. <laughs> it's it really is. So hopefully yeah. hopefully we get we get by. Yeah. Anyway, um what since you watched the match, do you think Forrest has enough to stay up in the league? Ooh, that's I mean, they do that's have tricky. killer numbers. That is like if you're gonna talk about experience, uh, an experienced goalkeeper, right? There's no, there's like only a few that I can think of who has like the CV, the experience, and the reflexes of killer numbers. Yeah, and I'm sure. Yeah, he he is a leader in that role, so which true. I think, but but like I think the only thing that I I think it goes back the same question with the Leicester one, right? Just looking for mm-hmm. other teams that are worse off than Forest, and you can only look at the two right above them, which is mm-hmm. Everton and Leeds. West Ham, mm-hmm. after we saw what they they the result that they got at at Arsenal, I I think that they also have the kind of players that ha- are more gritty. And I think they will pull themselves out. So I think West Ham and Bournemouth and Wolves are on the up. Even Palace are on the up. Then you look at the table, the only next team there is Chelsea and they're on the down. But they're too far away from relegation in my opinion. So it's really these five teams there. Leeds, Everton, Forest, Leicester and Southampton, right? And amongst them, I think I think these five will be fighting it out on the last day as well. I think no one is safe up, up to the last day. Hmm. Mm. Yeah, I mean, since you mentioned that team, uh, Leeds Ooh. United, terrible. 
They got the uh, slapped up by Wait, before Liverpool I think they got slapped up by Palace 5-1, right? Oh uh, yeah, they slapped by Palace 5-1 at home. And they and they followed it up by getting slapped up 6-1 <laughs> at home against Liverpool. Um Javi Garcia who I think his most recent stint was in the I mean in the Premier League was a uh, Watford manager. Then he got sacked. And then I'm not sure what happened to him but he's back in the dugout. With Leicester, um, absolutely no with Leeds, horrendous. Oh yeah, with Leeds, absolutely horrendous defending. Um, were they even defending? Uh, there, there was no one there, literally. So Gakpo bad, just walked the ball in. Right. The- <laughs> <laughs> yeah, uh. I, I mean Liverpool are back again for the fourth time <laughs> this season. Okay, <laughs> this season has been. Like if you're a Liverpool fan, right, it's gonna be so confusing because you've watched Liverpool beat Bournemouth nine 0 You've watched them beat United seven 0 uh, Sorry, Nate. Uh, you watched it's them okay. beat Leeds United six one. You watched them beat Rangers. Was it seven one? On aggregate, uh, no, sorry, seven one in the group stage. Mm-hmm. But there you are sitting in eighth position in the Premier League. So that. <laughs> I mean the the classic the, the, case is the, like they win big and then the next game they lose. I know, right? Like they, it, it's been. If I remember correctly, they beat Bournemouth nine 0 and then they followed it up with a loss against uh, was it Nottingham Forest, and then when they beat you guys seven 0 they followed it up with a loss against Bournemouth. Ah, uh, Bournemouth one 0 Yeah, <laughs> so. <laughs> it's a Jekyll and Hyde season for them. Yeah. And uh but on the upside as a neutral fan, um from an outsider looking in, it seems right like they've kind of got their attacking form on point. Like Jota contributed with two goals, uh Luis Diaz came on, uh Darwin Nunes came on and scored a goal. It seems like they can kind of mount a last-minute push for top four because they're out of all competitions. They only play one time a week. So um, I would love to have Pascal's thought about it, but unfortunately, he's not uh, able to join us. But are Liverpool back in terms of uh, kind of sneaking into that top four position? I'm surprised that they're even in the mentioning, you know. Like, I, f- I thought that they were doing a lot worse. I don't know why. Like, I felt like they were where Chelsea were. But now that you mention it and looking at the points, they aren't that far off. The only thing that... Just nine points behind Newcastle? Yeah. But the only thing that, that makes it uh, suddenly looking at the table a bit harder for, for me to, to envision them going up is that I feel that Brighton and, and Villa are good teams. I think that they too are are in the running for those positions. The one that may start dropping out of it is actually Newcastle. Like, they're a bit higher up, but their form of late is a bit worrying sometimes, I think. And then Spurs are this weird team. Like, they they also don't feel like they should be up there, but yet they are. You know what I mean? Like, they've, they've done enough to get results, even though they don't play particularly very well yeah. or very good like, football yeah. anymore. That kind of shows how bad, like the league has been. Besides, uh, besides Arsenal City and Man City, <laughs> yeah. yeah, this 
horrible. And um, Leeds, man, if, like I said before, if Leicester were to find one team above them currently, which could kind of replace them in 19th, I think Leeds are in free fall, man. I'm not sure what Heavy Garcia could do because, yeah, they are a decent attacking side on their day. But in the Premier League, if you don't have a sturdy defense, right, you're just asking to be relegated. A la, mm. um, you guys remember Blackpool? Wow, yeah. They're like really easy on the eye, right? But couldn't defend, couldn't keep a clean sheet. I don't, I can't recall if they did keep a clean sheet when they were in the Premier League. Though. I can't remember. Maybe can't they had remember. like one. I, I think for me, like the team that kind of fits that kind of description is Norwich. I thought ah, Norwich yes. had pretty nice like attackers as well. Mm-hmm. Um, Like Cantwell when he was there. Like they would attack quite well. They had Snodgrass as well. So they were banging like mm-hmm. free kicks. But then the defense was like letting in two, three goals every game. So it's just like, what was the point? You know what I mean? Yeah. <laughs> At the end of the game, I think they had one of the, like they were relegated a lot earlier than the rest. I think they were rock bottom mm. the last time. So mm. yeah, even now with Southampton are at the bottom, but they could still crawl their way out if everybody else does yeah. badly. So that's, that's, that's just how this season has been. Like the, the, the bottom clubs, there are so many of them, unlike in the past where there was only one very obvious weak team. Now there are like quite a few. So it's, it's going to be tricky, but I think Leeds definitely are on the down. So if they don't do something or anything, I think they they would find themselves below um, Everton and Forest. And yeah, so the thing is that I like Leicester, so I would rather Leeds be relegated than Leicester, man. Mm. Yeah. What about you, Lionel? What do you think? Yeah. Oh, you mean in terms <laughs> of uh, who deserves to go down? Who deserves to go down? Who who do you prefer out of, you know, between Leeds and Leicester? Uh, as in to to, to, survi- to survive <laughs> or the way the, as in to survive or like their style of play. Okay, who who would you like to keep in the Premier League? Leicester or Leeds? Yeah. To, as in to to be honest, because of how they they like uh, make their mind history, it will be Leicester, but. I feel like they don't deserve to stay up. Mm. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Is it because of what they did to Rogers? Like they got rid of him? No, I I just feel like, you know, like Leeds, well, I don't know, man. Like, I feel like in, in my lifetime of watching football, you know, Leicester has, has created history, but I, I've not really seen Leeds in my lifetime doing the same thing. But I feel like right now at this juncture, Leeds don't deserve to go down as badly as Leicester do. La. <laughs> mm. Yeah. I think we're still, like, charmed by that Marcelo Bielsa first season deeds. You know what I mean? That mm-hmm. uh, that swashbuckling, attacking, full of running leads. But they aren't that same team now. You know what I mean? It's it's a bit like, I w- if that was still the team, then I would hope that they would stay up just because they stick to their guns and they play their kind of football. But this kind of Leeds team, especially after they've already um, sacked Marsh, 
I I don't know what they do. Like I I don't see an identity as well, and so I can see them going down, especially with how porous they are. Like even last time when they were full of attack, they their defense wasn't that great, but now they are neither attack and yeah, they have no defense. Yeah, but at least they were like fun to watch, right? Yeah, they were, but now they aren't great. So I don't know. I mean, they still beat us recently, but (laughs) 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 that's football. Yeah, football is a funny old game, but yeah, I mean, since we're, I think we're pretty much done with uh, this Leeds and Liverpool. So, um, on to... Oh, wait, we should, we should talk about one thing, which is Mm. Trent becoming a midfielder. Ah, I think I called this, you know, I think I said this Mm. last in, like, in multiple seasons of FKB and I think we've all said it as well why doesn't Trent who has this gem of like a a, a one of a left foot right why don't we just mm. move him up because he can't play defense anyways he's he's never like switched on he he's always caught out at the back he doesn't see the running man behind him and he gets beaten by tricky wingers yeah so who played right back in okay because in the lineup right it shows Trent at right back but during the game itself, it's similar to what Pep did with Stones. Like You think uh, it becomes a three-man defense? Three-man defense, oh. Yeah, apparently um, for the game, right, I heard that it was Konate covering Trent whenever he goes uh, to midfield. That's why if you notice, I think apart from that one goal that they considered, which was kind of Konate's error, I think the system kind of worked well because um, I think the three at the back Played well into what Klopp wanted to to achieve, but it's just but it's just that, I think the real question now is that, okay, this tactic worked against Leeds, right? But will it work against the other teams that you know have more bite? I think that's the question. Uh. Mm, yeah, well, yeah. they can. I mean, good thing they can experiment this against. Uh, pretty. I wouldn't say that they are bad, but their relegation fodder as well. Uh, Nottingham Forest. I mean, it kind of makes sense, right? Like, Trent as a right back doesn't really do the defensive side of the game well. But we all know how good he is if he's pushed up more forward. But I'm not sure if... Yeah, like, I I do agree with what you say. Against Leeds United, like a really bad Leeds United side, yeah, paper over the cracks, but against a more potent... um, I'm not sure who they play, but yeah, a, a team with better attackers, right? I'm not sure if Konate himself will be able to deal with that much space that Trent is behind. I still think that if you're going to put Trent in midfield, then just put him in midfield and yeah. just why get like he, a right back to cover that spot. Why can't he be the the new Jordan Henderson? <sighs> you got to ask Klopp, man. <laughs> but like, do you feel that he could be? Yeah, I mean, we kind of seen what he did in that deep-lying position. But it's... um may- Maybe it worked because there were more men in midfield and they could play like a back three because then again, it's leads. But I really like to see them against a a, sh- a stronger team. Like, let's say... I don't want to say Brighton, but maybe... Maybe West Ham? Like, you know they have dangerous wingers. So, will Klopp be savvy enough to 
tweak his team in such a way where okay you can have Trent playing in midfield but you have to ensure that the back three doesn't get exposed by the wingers in the counter attack so yeah maybe we'll see that against Forest. not not that sure because they do have tricky wingers yeah that's true West Ham is the game after Forest. yeah and then after that is Tottenham which also have like pretty tricky wingers (laughs) yeah and uh yeah and Kulosevsky. Yeah. Yeah, so I'm not really sure what has happened to this particular team because we were singing their praises um recently, as recent as what two weeks ago, but it was a bad evening for <laughs> Newcastle man. Um I didn't catch a game, but I know that Pascal did. And offline he did mention that this game was very I think was it end to end the way that he described it or was it very uh, there was a lot of action mm. uh, from the way he, he was talking about it and uh, I did catch the highlights it did seem that Newcastle had their fair share of chances but to me Villa were very clinical I mean Watkins was very clinical yeah, he's in great form. Yeah. And credit to um good old Unai Emery, man. Managed to unlock the best out of Watkins. It seems like his stats have improved a lot in terms of his finishing ability. We know that Watkins is a very battering ram type of striker, but one of his main weaknesses was he wasn't composed in a box. He would always rush his shots. Mm. But... He has been really clinical, you know, since Emery has arrived. Like, it has been almost a goal a game. Or was it? Oh, it's a goal a game since Emery was appointed as uh, Villa manager. And Jacob Ramsey, man. Like, who needs Jude Benningham when you have <laughs> Jacob Ramsey? So. They look alike. <laughs> yeah, they look alike. And. I w- it would. It doesn't strike me he doesn't strike me as a goal scoring type of midfielder, but he seems to be getting in the box a lot. It could be instructed by Emery to kind of have this partnership with uh Audie Watkins. Uh. But never would I have thought, right, when I was looking at the table that Aston Villa would be where they are now. Under um Gerard they were kind of in the relegation battle. But dude, they're now in six, man. <laughs> yeah. This is like like credit to Unai Emery, dude. I think I think Unai Emery is a very was a very shrewd appointment. Like he's he's underrated. I think what he did at Arsenal was um he kind of inherited a a club in transition. He had mm. a lot of players that were that was still had the kind of mentality of like how Wenger wanted to play and then he also had to try to bring in his own ideals while trying to integrate like quite big personalities like Obama Young and and Lacazette and having to pick his main shack and all that stuff I think it wasn't easy and the team wasn't didn't have that kind of solidity or didn't have that kind of um the, the way to play tactics like Arteta does because Arteta came from the school of Pep, you know, the the kind of like Manchester City 
uh, dominance in terms of possession and and moving the ball around. Arsenal always played like a silky kind of passing game, but they don't always dominate possession. Unlike now, when I think when they when they are in good mood, they really kind of like uh, move the ball around so you can't touch them because I I don't really know how to say it, but like they always have a spare man in the midfield. You know what I mean? If you've watched Arsenal play, they they always have this one guy who who they're they're off the ball running is um is why they keep this like possession game so high because they always run into space and then uh they know where to look for this extra guy in the midfield. Um, so I think back when it was under Una Emery, like they didn't have that. But Emery doesn't kind of play that kind of style with his Villa team. He just makes them. A lot more solid and kind very of direct. it's very direct. It is, and and I think in in the EPL you can just go for direct if that is your game plan. A bit like how we saw West Ham go against yeah, Arsenal. Love the ball to Watkins. Exactly, like and and defenders. If like if that is the game plan, I mean we see that like strikers like Watkins, like Tony, um, like Ivan Tony, right? They're all the same kind of characters. Like they know how to hold the ball, but they also know how to like spin the defender. And then suddenly go on the attack. So this is yeah, I think it was quite smart, and and we're really seeing him kind of thrive at at Villa. So good on him. Yeah. yeah also, gotta give an honorable mention to Tyron Mings on how much he has improved under Emery because he really did marshal that defense well. I do recall under Gerard, he was horrible. Was like, I remember I was, was a watching. Disaster. Uh, yeah, I was watching. <laughs> yeah. um, them against Chelsea and it was pretty evenly matched until the second half when Mings kind of cushioned a header towards one of the Chelsea strikers and then he scored from that and Mings had a absolutely horrendous game to the point where he was being dropped from the starting 11 but I think Emery he knows how to get a tune out of Mings and it's no coincidence that uh, Villa's rise is in tandem with how well Mings has been playing because we know that he is a commanding presence. He has that aura of uh, leadership around him. He knows how to organize a defense. Mm. But what was but that was all missing under Gerard. So it kind of shows that players improve under the tutelage of a good manager. <clears throat> uh, <laughs> just got to say that uh. <laughs> Before I mean before we, we go on to Floor Watch right Like I just <laughs> I just want to mention something I, I do remember saying this About Newcastle right That uh, They were the best defence in the league With only 19 goals conceded So far Up to that point of the season And I When I made that statement It was on the 3rd of April but ever since I said that, they've conceded what five goals in five goals in, in three games, man. <laughs> mm. So that kind of shows FKB curse is it's real. But I know you guys uh, are Newcastle they kind of look like they are on a slippery slope downwards because prior to the Villa match, right, I've kind of I, I've went to look up on the past uh, results they actually won all four leading up to this match and I kind of thought that they would put up a much 
much more of a fight. And I think the 3-0 line flattered Villa a little bit because Newcastle did have the chances. But that sturdy defence that was so reliant, or I mean that was so reliable before, I don't remember you, them shipping in three goals this season. Or maybe they did, but it could have been such a such a long time ago. But yeah, that that's just so weird. I, I'm, I'm not sure if Cash watched the match, but um, I'm sure if, if he did and he was on this uh, episode, he would have a lot to say about how bad the defense was. I think um, Dan Byrne, like, okay, I didn't watch the match, but through the extended highlights I watched, Dan Byrne was culpable for a lot of those uh, uh, goals that, that came in. I think it was more of the uh, Ollie Watkins one. Yeah. But, I don't know. Do you guys think it's just a blip? Because Newcastle are still sitting pretty on, in that fourth position, but, uh, Actually looking at their upcoming fixtures, yeah, right? But they, yeah, their upcoming fixtures against, A lot of the uh, relegation Spurs as well. Yeah. Yeah, they've got Everton, Southampton, mm. and Leeds in that run up as well. I mean, they also have Arsenal, which is probably going to be a tough game because Arsenal are trying to win every game, mm-hmm. right, from now to the end of the season. Spurs are in a weird limbo kind of stage. I could see Newcastle and, and beating Spurs, actually. Um, and then it really depends how, how badly these relegation-threatened teams want to stay in the Premier League because we all know when you come up against a relegation team at this time of the season, um, they can pull a result of the out of the hat but yes suddenly all of them just become Atletico Madrid <laughs> just defensively super tight and then they get their one or two chances and then they score yeah, <laughs> just, yeah. this could be tricky because it goes two ways if if these teams decide to do that then Newcastle could be looking at taking like what five L's that'll be insane but mm. but again um, looking at how badly they all are like leads are there and we just we what we just said about Leeds is is probably not gonna go away so soon. So I think I think Newcastle could be okay. I think they could probably beat Everton, Southampton and Leeds comfortably because as much as they're saying their defense could be a bit leaky, their attack is really good to watch. Like mm-hmm. Joe Linton this season, completely new player, unrecognizable from his time under Steve Bruce. Um and then Bruno Gramaresh as well is uh is really good. Yeah, then the and 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 their striking force as well mm. with with Wilson and Is Isak. Um, yeah, yeah, I would like to see them both start against Spurs. Yeah, because um right now, I mean we might as well transit into Spurs if uh, you both of you have uh, no other thoughts on the Villa and Newcastle game, mm-hmm. but Spurs losing to Bournemouth. <laughs> I thought I was in the trenches this weekend, but still are. You're obviously, <laughs> Spurs right there with had to you. Join. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, mm. that that ninety fifth minute <laughs> goal by uh, Utara, the Bournemouth player, is just is hilarious, man. I, I mean, I get why um, he had so much space because Spurs were pushing for a winner. But Pedro Porro, man, that he was at fault for two goals that Bomber scored, and especially the 
the the winner, he got brushed off the ball by Utara. Oh, sorry, not Utara. He got brushed off the ball by I think was it Solanke? Oh, yeah, Solanke, and then he just laid it over to Utara, who scored the winner. Absolutely terrible performance by Pedro Porro. No pun intended. That's his actual name. But yeah, um. I mean, any quick words about that Spurs and Bournemouth game? None, but I think like it really just sums up what Conte has been feeling the whole season. <laughs> you know, <laughs> like that's that that must be it. Like, you think that this is a game that you should win. Your team is definitely more, uh, on paper the stronger side in all kind of regards. Mm-hmm. Um, was this the match that uh, Richardson scored another offside goal? Yes, yes, <laughs> another it was. One. I mean, yeah. it's everything, right? It's it's luck. It's uh, it's all of that. And Spurs are just doing what Spurs always do. It's <laughs> it's the history of the Tottenham. <laughs> Check it out, man. Uh, Richarlison has scored three goals in the Premier League this season, and all of them have been ruled out for offside. <laughs> Wait, if I remember correctly, um, was it Jesse Lingard? There was someone who placed a bet on Lingard not scoring. For the entire season And then He lost that bet What was it In literally The last moment Of the game When uh, United played Leicester And then Lingard scored Like oh. in the final minute Okay Yeah I remember that I, I, I'm i not sure if There's a bet Going on if I mean for Richardson to not score This entire season I might actually Go for it man. If I actually see That bet on in SG pools, I don't think it's in SG pools, but let's see. Uh, yeah, their upcoming matches are Newcastle. They come up against United, Liverpool, a uh, resurgent Crystal Palace under Roy Hodgson, who are what's that? Three games on the bounce. They've won mm-hmm. three That's, wins. Three wins. That's incredible. Yeah. It really, and we didn't really slot a, a Crystal Palace in this random, but like, yeah, maybe what? If, if I think they, they deserve a yeah. shout out. Maybe they go into boss yeah. watch. Yeah, maybe. Mm-hmm. And then and then they go up against another like we said a resurgent Aston Villa. Tottenham could be in trouble, you know. Like if yeah. someone's gonna nick their spot, like I mean like Liverpool are definitely look eyeing it. I think that mm-hmm. could be a possibility. I mean the matches are not I mean, easy and <laughs> they don't have a Conte in their on their bench anymore. Yeah. I mean I mean other than that, Richardson could really not score go through a season <laughs> without scoring, man. That would be <laughs> That would be headlines, uh. but yeah, I mean, since we're on, since we're talking about Spurs, um, let's just <laughs> transit into Fraud Watch. I know I didn't slot a segment about Chelsea in this podcast because I'm just, I'm just tired to talk about them. So I just, I'm just calling this Fraud Watch segment the Chelsea segment. And from now until this season ends, they will be perpetually on Fraud Watch. <laughs> so, so guys, um, any nominations for either Fraud Watch or Boss Watch this week? Wait, is there anything that we can say about the Chelsea match? Just Brighton are good lah. Bright- so it like, was really just dominance on one side? Yeah, like, okay, you look at the stats, right? Brighton dominated at the bridge. It was, what, 68%... Pos- no, sorry, 60-something percent possession. And Chelsea, who are the home team... They had like 30% possession. And the goal that they scored was via deflection. Whereas Brighton 
could have had more goals if not for the brilliance of Kepa who kept us in the game. Just, I got nothing much to say, man. Like, going so defensive at home, it just speak volumes and I just want this season to end. And this Lampard, I, I would have rather preferred Bruno to kind of take that interim position until the end of the season than give the reins to Lampard because imagine you're a player of Chelsea, right? And the manager who got sacked because he was leading Everton into relegation is actually hired again to kind of see you through the season. And I know that Lampard is a Chelsea legend, but I'm judging Lampard as a manager, not as a player. Like, sentimental value doesn't really mean that much to me right now. Because, yeah, Lampard is a great player. It's kind of like Ole, man. Mm-hmm. Like, I- I'm sure you kind of resonate a little bit. Mm-hmm. Like, you kind of have that ho- soft spot for Ole, but deep down, you know that he's just a cheerleader. He's not really a good manager. He's not really the guy that can lead you forward. And it just screams volumes on how this new ownership under Todd Bowley is just... He he doesn't know what he's doing. Like, under Roman, you could really see that yes, he is spending money, but he spends money in the right way. He spends money to bring the club, to bring the club forward in terms of success. And under Boli, yes, he has opened his checkbook and all that, but he's being too much involved in the footballing side of things, which I feel that he shouldn't, because I'm not really sure how many signings, how many of the new signings, right, were top bowly signings and not the ma- not what the manager wanted. Mm. Yeah, so just I have this feeling like Top Bully was playing like FIFA. He literally looked at the players and just Career like, oh, mode, yeah, yeah. I want him in my team. No, the thing is that he comes from America, right? So I'm sure that his football or soccer knowledge is not good. And he's doing too much when he doesn't really know he's not well versed in, in, in football. Like he's not hiring a director of football. He's not hiring anyone who knows like not just the business side but the footballing side of things. Mm. Yeah, that that's the reason why like from top to bottom, even though like yeah, Chelsea do have money to spend, but in terms of footballing needs right in terms of how a football club is supposed to be run we're so far off man mm. so far yeah. off from what a club of Chelsea's stature is supposed to be in terms of how well it's run so yeah that ends like my mini rant on on what I think is going on and okay fun fact right like if Chelsea end the season in the bottom half of the table we have to play like an extra qualifying round for the Carabao Cup that's how bad it's been. That's how it bad it will be next season. Do, does every club that's in the bottom half have to do this? Yeah. Oh, okay. <laughs> <laughs> I wouldn't know. <laughs> yeah, man. Like, I mean, we'll find out. Uh. <laughs> oh, no. That's going to be yeah. rough. So, so Chelsea straight up into fraud watch for me. They are like in the gulags until 
I release them. Hmm. Well, anyway, just a fun step before we move on, right? Um, I have a friend who who's a Chelsea fan that texted me, right? That in Lampard's three games, right? Okay, in the three games that Lampard has managed, right? Chelsea has considered 51 shots. Yeah, that... Yeah. More pain. <laughs> 51? Yeah, and I think they, they considered 26 shots against Brighton, 10 of which were on target. Wow. Yeah. Oh, that's really Kepa that's doing his, his best to to save I know, right? Chelsea. Yeah. Oh. Dang. Just want this season to end, man. It's, it's too much pain. <laughs> oh man, really feel for you. I think we would we I would say that I I would not have expected Chelsea's season to go like this. Like United has had bad seasons and I also you know, like when we were doing quite poorly uh, in transition and the Ragnick situation and all of that but after what Chelsea did with like the Potter and all that kind of optimism the spending and all the players and, and buying Earth right I don't think that any of us saw Chelsea ending up like this did you all did, did you Lionel did you even get a sensing that they would be here in the I bottom half of the table yeah honestly I think um, at the end at the very start of the season, um, before the first uh, match was played, I was kind of putting Chelsea in the bracket of top four because of um, how well they have performed uh, the previous season. And I, and, I, and I feel that, you know, any of like the top six clubs, right, um, that is quote-unquote having a bad season would at least finish in, in a European competition next season. But the fact that Chelsea is not just in this, like, bracket of uh, European competi- competitions right but they are like at the bottom half of the table I think it's quite shocking of of their performance uh. but I think it also shows how competitive this league has become like with teams like Newcastle and even rec- most recently Aston Villa and Brighton I mean I'll, I'll include Brentford and Fulham in the mix as well but it seems like they have fallen off a wee bit but I would say that it really shows how competitive this league has become. Like, we like every game now is no longer like a like a like a free game or like an easy to win game. So, uh, like, and it also just shows that you know, um, it's not just about the money. It's about how well you can bring like use the money to bring a team that can perform well together like uh time and time again. So. Chelsea is kind of really struggling uh, to do that. And maybe it's because as ruthless as Abramovich's uh, uh, philosophy is in terms of um, uh, a quick turnover of managers, right? I mean, it worked. But this current uh, owner, it's like, it seems like he's getting too involved. And, you know, you've got to leave uh, the footballing uh, stuff to the people who are actually good at football. So... I, I, I would like to see how they bounce back next season. Whether it is, it is buying more players or, you know, forming a, a, a team that is able to lead them forward properly. But I think it could take much longer than Chelsea fans would uh, expect it to take. Because, you know, Chelsea fans are, are, are so used to uh, the immediacy of, like, uh, manager changes and winning titles over and over again, right? I think now it's a... It's a it's a fresh change of pace. So I think Chelsea fans need to be patient with this 
transition. Uh. It's going to be a long... I, I believe it's going to be a long transition for them. Okay, under Graham Porter, right? Yes, we weren't scoring goals. But we were creating loads of chances. And it's just the players that weren't putting the big chances away. Under Lampard, right? We're not even creating any chances. And we're leaking in... Being exposed to so many shots, so... I mean, yeah. I, th- that's how I'm just going to end it there. La. But I feel like Chelsea, they really need to get like... Uh, as in, it sounds weird by saying this, but I think they need a, 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 an overhaul of their current team. Like, I think people... Like, they don't really have like a prolific striker to... to at, like, leading the charge. That's why they, they can't seem to get shots. But, I mean, as they much have, as Chelsea... They have, have Oba yeah, somewhere there. <laughs> As, in, as much as Chelsea has so many players, right? And I think there are a couple more players coming in next season because of, like, I think the, the contractual deals with certain players, right? I think they need a manager who is able to, like, quickly identify who is their best eleven and just stick with that rather than, like, do what Potter has done and, like, keep trying, like, going through a period of trial and error. And even at a moment where, like, moments before he got sacked, I believe if, if we were to ask... Chelsea fans, they also wouldn't know who their best eleven was, like under Potter. So, you know that, what? That, on that note, right? I feel like then they should have just brought in a manager that they wanted for next season instead of of getting lamp, so that this last few games of the season is kind of that discovery phase, you know, for him to kind of pick who is going to be in his eleven next season, mm-hmm, and then yeah. those who realize that they're not in favor can look for a move in the in in the summer. Because for right now, right, I think everyone's gonna just stay. And when the new manager comes in the summer, everyone's going to try to get into that 11. You know what I mean? And then no one's going to really try to leave unless they clearly want to leave already. Maybe like, um, uh, who wants to go? I don't know. Ziyech? Ziyech. Pulisic, Probably. I think. Yeah. Both have fallen quite out of favour with all managers. So the rest, I think, will, will think that they have a chance to, to, to get back into the starting 11 and cement their place in the team. So... That will be tricky because they still have too many players, in my opinion. Too many people who want to be in the starting eleven and, and are not just squad players. So it'll be quite quite tricky. But we'll see. Because like yeah, the, I mean, the the managers that are supposedly supposed to come are are not here at the moment. Mm. Yeah. I think what what the board has to do is take their time with the appointment of the new manager because the next appointment has to be the right one there is no as we we, we can't appoint another what you say project manager a process manager and then not see it through because that's just going back to the old Chelsea ways then yeah yeah I mean if if they're so hell bent on um, getting a really long-term manager and seeing through what five six years, mm-hmm. then they need ample time. They need to em- they need to buy proper backroom staff to make to assist in making the decision for them. Because, as you can see so evidently that the footballing decisions that the owner has made, it's 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 done on a. Uh, it's made by a really inexperienced person in charge. La. That's all I got to say. Mm-hmm. And it doesn't look like Chelsea are going to get European football. So the squad definitely needs trimming. 
mm. a lot of streaming like players who um, I mean there are players that have overstayed their welcome and I think you will roughly know who, they are. who these players are yeah um, yeah so hopefully hopefully next season will be less painful than it has been this season uh. so yeah um that wraps up the Chelsea segment somewhat mm. Chelsea slash fraud segment for me uh. so for you guys uh, any nominees for fraud watch and boss watch I I think for me uh it it has to be in his most recent form it has to be Ollie Watkins uh. he's just yep. been scoring it's like a goal scoring machine I think um, I won't be surprised if he gets like player of the month based on like how it's kind of like uh, Rashford at that one point of time where he kept scoring over and over again yeah. so yeah I, I feel that he has to be walk-ins uh, on boss watch good shout mm, for me I think boss watch would be uh, it's a bit like it's not the most recent thing but I'm gonna put Deserby I think Deserby mm-hmm. for me was um, I mean with what Potter did everyone thought that uh how Brighton plays down to Potter but when Deserby came in I think he made Brighton even better and for someone who didn't really have much of a CV I think he's turned out to be like probably one of the new hotshot managers again it's exactly like what Potter was when he was at Brighton like he became the hotshot manager that the big clubs were looking at but I quite like how I think like how we say like Ten Hag has made each individual United player better. I think Deserby is doing the same thing. Um, like I, Mitoma under under um, Potter didn't look half as good. You know what I mean? I think under him, uh, we've seen like Solly Marsh improve as well, um, and and Gross as well. So I think that's great. I think he's quite an underrated manager. But yeah, yeah Brighton are the hipster club to support this season, and. <laughs> Because of Mitoma. Yeah, it's Mitoma mania. Yeah, I think it's the the seawater at Brighton, man. It just makes everyone associate, associated with the club look good. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> but imagine, like, next season, man. I think that Brighton team is going to get picked apart. Like, McAllister, he wants out. Like, reports are saying that um, he's definitely going to look for a transfer, but uh, up till then, he's going to put his all playing for Brighton. Mm. Like that's on record That's not just From hearsay Yeah So it's interesting to see Who stays at Brighton Next season But mm-hmm. I I mean If if that's all For the uh, For our watch Boss watch segment Then I think We can uh, wrap up this episode Because it's An hour and what, 40 minutes already So um, Yeah uh, I'd like to thank the listeners For taking the time uh, listening to this uh, yeah, another episode on uh, Full Kit Banter do follow us on our socials on Instagram at Full Kit Banter as well as uh, on YouTube and uh, we will see you guys next week